So we are in the middle of a series of uh, shirim, of sessions, reading from the Pihisetzner's Mevoha Sha'arim, a specific chapter in this work where the Rebbe is laying out for us a particular vision of what the path of Hasidut is, what the Baal Shem Tov's core teaching for the world is, and both how it differs from what came before it, what is the kind of radical innovation of it. And um, as we move on, we'll see more and more. The Rebbe will also guide us more towards what that all means for us and what it looks like if we are to walk that path, what it means for our current reality. And uh, So I'm going to try to just do like a very brief summary of where we were last time to catch us all up and... Uh, if you're not cut up, we'll just pick up where we are today. Um, I'm going to try to be very simple and brief about this, okay? The Rebbe basically said that the Baal Shem Tov's teaching that came to the world, which he summarizes in one line, that earth itself, material existence itself, is a divine expression. It's not just a place where we can contact God. It's not just a universe that's created by God and where we can kind of reach back to the core of the creator who um, lurks behind and beneath or at the source of all of it. But, but its manifestation itself is God. He, he says in the Baal Shem Tov's words, when you look at the world, you are looking at God and God is looking back at you. It's very kind of broad, radical kind of claims. And he talks about how much trouble uh, and tumult this caused in the world. And, and his, his, his way of explaining what was happening was, it's not just the Baal Shem Tov came along and said, I have a great new idea. Listen to what I have to say. Come be my follower. We're going to start a new trend. Um, but that, the, the way that the, the Rebbe lays it out, he, he says that all of existence from the beginning of creation until the coming of Mashiach to the fulfillment of the earth's trajectory towards its greater stage is this evolutionary process where we see God being revealed through the creation more and more. The spiritual being expressed through the physical in greater ways till we reach that Prophetic vision in Yeshayahu, for the earth being filled with with awareness of God as water fills the ocean, that it's it's full, it's fully saturated and immersive in, in all of its existence, in its entirety. So the Rebbe says that that we can see the the, the development of um, of the way that this has played itself out in, in Jewish life, in, in, in learning in Avodah Hashem, it actually has followed different stages. And in previous generations, the awareness of God was contacted through the intellect. And, and to get there, it was, in a sense, through a path of refining or transcending the body, transcending the physical to contact the spiritual. And he's not saying, it's not, what's so beautiful about this is, he, based on his vision here, it's not like, oh, they were wrong and now we're right we know more than they did now. It's that this is where the the reality of the 
of the world was. The contact between God and, and world was such that the divine was still kind of hovering outward somewhere and, the, and, and, and not fully manifest or manifest is the wrong word, not fully revealed through the physical. And as we reach closer and closer to um, what he calls messianic awareness, so then the body and the earth become more and more um, themselves the uh, location of God awareness or the meeting point. He goes on, and this is, will, will lead us up to where we're going to read now. In the last paragraphs, he was explaining we, we, if we take seriously the idea that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created this universe, so along with that belief and assumption comes the, the affirmation that everything that God creates with is all part of that same divine reality. It's not like God took the godly stuff and found some earthly clay from somewhere and put them together to make a world. All of creation is a process of God acting within godliness. And so all the kalim, all the vessels of creation, all the materials are all part of that divine reality too. So even in their most concretized form, we, we can't say that in their essence there's something else. And more than that, the Rebbe says, as we pick up here, we can't say that, that in their essence they're actually bad. That there's nothing we can actually point to and say, like, this is um, um, psolet, or it's ra, he's the word ra. Then in the, in the Baal Shemto's vision of, 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 of where we're heading, it also includes a dawning awareness that, that evil itself um, will be dissipated. Which the, the, which the Nevi'im speak about too. Mala, Bala HaMavet Lanetzach. And even that Perik in Yeshayahu is talking about the, the wolf lying with the lamb. And you know, all the Messianic vision is, it includes this reality where, where all of the things that were the root of pain and suffering and evil throughout human history become irrelevant <laughs> or transformed by this greater full, full awareness of, of God permeating everything. So that's where we left off. And the, the last words, I just want to repeat them because they're such pearls that the, the Rebbe spoke about Hasidut being the revelation of Ha'or Asher Binimichiyut, the light that is within lowness, the light that fills the lowest regions of experience and of existence, that it is n- nothing other than, than godly light, Vishagam Hu Kodesh, and that it too is holy. And therefore, he goes on and says, so therefore also the body, our physical bodies, our, our human lives, our midot, the, the way that our experience happens and takes place within us is also part of this, participating in this godly reality. My body isn't something that separates me from God. My, my feelings are not something that stand in the way between me and God. These are the pathways or part of that same revelatory um, process in reality. Adkan summary. Okay. Seder ha'avodah ad tkufat ha'chasidut ha'yelachniyat ha'guf im ha'gashotav. The path of spiritual devotion before the age of, of chasidut was to subdue the body with all of its feelings. Its sensations, ula hashkit et midotav, and to quiet, to silence the midot, the 
the emotional arousals. <coughs> even to, to afflict oneself, to, you know, flagellations and things like that. These, these are, were practices of the, of, of the mystics and even in, in common Jewish, Jewish practice in different ways. It was to punish we have to, to punish the body, to silence the midot, to quiet the emotions, to crush them. The, the, the vision there was, we don't want the, the body's um, responses, physical responses, emotional responses, to, to, to get in the way of us reaching God because they're, they're, they're ra. They're bad. This was at least... Part of the perception. And it's only by quieting all of that inner bubbling and movement and transcending it could a person contact this godly light. And he goes on, and here I'm going to start to summarize whether that be that the light of the soul that was understood to be something that existed beyond the body or a light even beyond one's own soul, something of, of God's own being. And, and the path towards that in the, in the Sifir Kabbalah and the, the Kabbalistic traditions that, that preceded the Baal Shem Tov was all through the mind. It was through an intellectual focus of the thoughts, through Kavanot and Yehudim, meditating on certain names of God, combining different names and qualities through through these meditations. It was an intellectual intellectually focused exercise that, that one could reach when they in a sense quieted their body and got got only to this state of uh, of thought and focus. He's speaking again from this paradigm that wisdom was the the primary place of holiness within a person. And the way to draw godly light from above was through these kinds of meditations and 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 kavanot and intentions. I'm gonna gonna summarize here. He goes on to quote different perushim uh, and the Zohar and sections from the Zohar, which basically are saying you could do all the mitzvot in the world with your body, but the 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 main value of the mitzvot was it was seen to be your kavana. What what is your thought? Are you are you meditating on the right? Divine access point there, and if you're not, so the the the, the kli, that physical action was was seen to be an empty, an empty um, behavior. Ki because the body in this paradigm ma'avaya v'hitorotav lo tovimem, the um, awakenings of the body, the sensations in the body, those the things that the body experiences were considered to be lo tovim. They weren't good in and of themselves. And those body sensations, those, those, those body reactions, were, were needed to be quieted and silenced and, and <coughs> extinguished so that they will not damage us, and they won't distract us from our, from our avoda, our, our, our divine worship, that higher level worship that was taking place in the mind, that was taking place in the intellect. That was the place where the avoda was focused because that was the place where, um, where the light of God 
could could be contacted. This is no longer true. This is not the case with the advent of Chasidut because Chasidut, and again we see this throughout the Rebbe's writing. He speaks about Chasidut not as a movement and not as an idea and not as a group of people, but as a as a as a paradigm of reality, that an entity that that is acting in the world. Chasidut brings light to the kelim also, brings light to the vessels themselves, to physical reality. And it's, its primary light that it is bringing, the primary chidush um, teaching is to reveal that lowness, nimichiyut, physicality, its, its essence is or kedusha. It is God's holy light. So the work, the devotion towards God that, that we need to adopt then is not to quiet and silence the mind so that it won't damage us or distract us. But rather to reveal its holiness of the body itself. And to lift direct all of its sensations, all of its responses, all of its movements and, and activities to a, to a higher plane of, of service of God. And here we're getting into already a little more kind of radical revolutionary kind of thought here, but that even the midot ra'ot, even those negative traits and parts of ourselves, yesodan or kedusha, their root is God's holy light. We see this beautifully, by the way, in Chovar HaTamidim, the Rebbe's book um, that's addressed towards young students. And he writes, he opens with a letter to parents and to children, uh, parents and educators. And he's talking about how to, how to see a child in a way that's going to, you're going to actually be able to raise them, cultivate a uh, relationship with God in them. And part of what he says there, he says, there's no such, the Baal Shem taught us there is no midara'ah in a, in a, in a child. There's no such thing as saying this kid has this problem. Th- th- this is wrong with him and this is wrong with him. They have this bad trait. We need to uproot it. We need to change it. We need... He says, no, when you are relating to a kid and seeing them through this paradigm, you think there's, they're bad or something about them. It's bad. He says, really, it's, it, the mashal he brings is if you picked an a unripe fruit off the tree and bit into it, it would taste bad to you. But the problem isn't in the fruit. The problem is that you're you're eating it when it's unripe. So you have to be able to see the child as the ripening fruit. And your job isn't to take it up, pluck it off the branch to taste it and then decide what to do with it. Your job is to recognize what's going on within within this child and to see into the core of where the potential lies beneath all of that unripe um, Manifestation to help them really cultivate a positive and healthy way to to let their midot, let their personality shine and emerge. The idea here is that the idea here is that at root there is embodied godly manifestation. This is what the core of our being is defined as by the Rebbe. And yeah, we have this, you know, operating system that, that lets us ignore all of that if we 
if we so choose, or see it only in partial um, forms. And the avodah is going to continuously to to be able to the avodah is continuously to, to to try to identify how do I actually access God through these parts of myself, even those parts. Oh, those parts that seem like they block me from God. Okay, somewhere deeper down in there, there is a source that is godly and a place where I can perhaps access God and it's an avodah to, to, to clarify that and reach there and contact it. I don't want to go too much into this, but there, there is one line of thought where you see this in, in the Ishbit in particular and Tzadok that all of the mistakes and calamities from Gan Eden throughout all of history are, and all of sin is, is in its essence just something that came to before its time. Just something that was taken too early, before its time. Something that was encountered too early. But that it, it is in its ultimate sense meant to have these these elements are meant to come together. However, what makes it sinful is that it was bad timing. <laughs> it's bad timing. Okay. Let's come back. This is a wild teaching of the Magid Mesrich. When the Torah is speaking about illicit relations, relations about incest, it says that if a if a man takes his sister as a wife, if he sleeps with his sister, chesed who? When the Torah is saying it's prohibited, the Torah is, instead of saying it's prohibited, it says it's chesed. And the Magid reads this. Even see hinted at in the Torah's own words that even the the most pervert perverse, distorted act of quote-unquote love, of havara, of damaged attachment to another person, which is mamash sinful and out of bounds, yisodah svirat chesed shamalehi. It too emerges from, from the divine sphere of chesed. This sphere, so it, it, as it continues, as it, emerges and unfolds from its divine source, it became corrupted in this person. But this person was acting out of their corrupt mida of chesed. Ad kan l'shen says, So therefore, it's not enough for a person to just work to, to pound down. Think of like, you know, that whack-a-mole game at amusement parks. The job is not to, to, to suppress the midot. The job is not to push down all of our impulses, all of our emotions, all of our feelings. Is, is a Jewish person some wild animal? That, that the best we can hope for is at least don't bite or hurt anybody? Is it just about chaining, chaining up the, the, the self? And is it possible that a person's soul will Unite with God in Gufo Umidotav, Merat Ptanim Bitsa, Vetel Shalashpamuzuhemetu. If if the the body, if the midot, the traits are merely a pit of waste, a swamp, a heap of trash, is that is that let me just how, how how ludicrous it would be to think that we can have a connection with God. Where if we consider our bodies and our midot and our personality to be something so putrid. 
שרק להרחיקה ולהשליכה, אומרת, it's only there for us to push away and to cast off. גם הנמיכיות של הקודש, the lowness of the person, his, his or her materiality, embodied being, is also holy. וגם בהם, and through these vessels, through these bodies and And feelings that we have to him la avod uit tabek bavi malko ukdosha. We need to to attach ourselves to God through who and what we are made of. He he goes on here and just summarize briefly. He goes on to 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 describe how what this might look like in practice. That if somebody encounters a midara within them, you know, a, a kind of a kind of sensation, feeling, state of being. That they feel and recognize as something ugh, something not good. I mean, that's that's making them distant from, distant from God. So, so we might just try to ask ourselves, like pause and ask ourselves, huh? What's what's beneath this? What is the what what is what is the root of this state within me? So he gives an example of ahavara. He's applying what he just said. Somebody has a a a a kind of love or a lust for something that that feels like it's distancing them from from waving holy. So. So can I pause for a moment and instead of just getting caught up in, in its particular form of attachment to, to kind of root back into the source of, of desire and love within me, which in its own is, is kind of free of that narrow focus, but it's, 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 an, it's an energy that's embodied within me that can then open me up to something greater. A place where I can already begin to exercise some choice of how I might want to direct that. Or maybe I don't, maybe I can't even go there. Maybe all I can do is kind of sit in the feeling of wanting and love in a way that's going to be positive and healthy and not in a way that I'm going to be caught in some kind of bind with it. I'm going to come down a few lines. The Holy Baal Shem Tov said, If it's so great before God for people to be sitting around spending hours thinking about, discussing what happens if you trade a cow for a donkey, right? They're learning Dine Mamanos, they're learning how much is one thing worth, how much is this thing worth. They're saying they're learning Gemara, learning Sukkis. If God thinks that's so great, So even more so, How much, how much joy that must bring to God when a person is actually involved in business. <laughs> Mom is actually doing it. Not just talking about it. If they're doing it according to the, 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 the path of the Torah and, and actually bringing Torah to life in this world. They're not just sitting there talking about trade. They're doing it in a way of Kedusha. How great must that be before Gosh That's yeah, you amazing. like that. That's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's so great to sit there thinking about business? What about actually doing it in a kosher way? So now this is something just, just to understand a little bit about, in general, what, what, what the Pesach is doing throughout his writing in, in many different ways. is He's showing us a very forward-thinking vision, something he's giving us, what sounds like these kind of new revolutionary articulations of things, and then he reaches back, all the way back and says, and you know what? Chazal was saying this. You know what? This isn't something out of the blue. 
we're, we're, we're picking up a thread that, that was, was strung all the way back. What, is, what does Chazal say? Chazal says, so he says, he says our, our holy teachers already taught us from generations ago that this will be the paradigm of, and the way of serving God in Hitkaluta Mishichit, the, the messianic stage of revelation. Midrash Rabbah, look at what the Midrash says. Chazal says like this. In Olam Hazeh, the spirit was concentrated, was nivzeket, I think from the word bazak, in a sense, was, was flashing into, was striking like a lightning rod, was, was flashing into one limb alone, <laughs> one part of the body. And the, the Rebbe says, according to the Mifarshim, the commentaries on the Midrash, they're saying it's about the Seichel. The Chazal saying it, it was throughout Olam Hazeh, the, the Spirit of God struck the Seichel of people, the mind. But in the, the future, the Ruach, the Spirit of God will be, will be shining through and striking the entire body, not just one part of it. As, as God says, I think this is in the vision of the dry bones. My spirit I will place within you throughout your whole body. And since, because that the revelation, the revelatory stage of the Baal Shem Tov is the beginning of the shining of that light, Therefore, its path of sanctity, of hitkadshut, of making the world holy, includes the entire body and all gufaniyut, bodiness, embodiment. The lobasech of a kavanot It's no longer just sticking to this. It's no longer <clears throat> confined to, to an intellectual process or to um, kind of mind-based uh, meditation. <clears throat> and so now, remember, uh, what, he's, what he's just laid out for us is this kind of like historical vision of what things were like beforehand, what things are like after. He's saying... The holy teachers who came before the Baal Shem Tov, they're not in machloket with the Baal Shem Tov. It's not a contradiction to say, oh, but they did this, and you're doing this. And he's saying it's a mistaken way of thinking about it to say that they're at odds with one another. Because until the time that Baal Shem Tov came to the world, the Hamshacha Elokit, the the divine revelation manifestation in our world, was in a way still in which the Kelim of the world, the vessels of the world, materiality, worldly existence, was merely Kelim Mastirim. They were still these concealing vessels, vessels to to contain something, but still vessels that are distinct from the thing they are there to contain. If you, you fill a, a, a jar with water, forget a jar, you fill a, 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 like a, a clay jar with water, so you know there's water in there, but all you see is the clay. So yes, the clay, 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 cl
Yeah. So, so, so yes, the kalim are there to receive the divine light, but the kalim themselves are, are tafel. They're, they're, they themselves are not part of that divine reality. Which is no longer the case when the tikkun of the future, as he calls it, the the refinement that the Baal Shem Tov, um, is is coming to bring. Gam be'etzem hakelim v'hakol mitaken uktushatam mitkale in tzrichim l'rachkam rak la'alotam. So when Shem Tov is, is, is reaching the world, so the Kelim too, everything, worldly existence itself, is coming to be refined as well, coming to be illuminated. They don't, it doesn't need to be cast off, it doesn't need to be distanced, it needs to be lifted. That the Kelim also themselves Will shall become shall be seen as mi'orei or shining sources of light, right? Not mastirim, not not blinders, but themselves being these shining lights. La'avod ba'emet Hashem to serve God through them. Henemet she'avodah b'divrei kedusha b'Torah tefila pnimiut ha'or gadola harbe ma'od b'liyav delmi kedusha takenim divrei So the Rebbe now kind of qualifies. This is sure, sure. You might be saying, okay, but but wait. You're telling me that the body is now the place that's holy, that the, per, the, the person's feelings is holy. Well, what about Talmud Torah? What about davening? What about mitzvot? He says, yes, yes, yes. Those pathways towards serving God that are still, are still more pnimi in their manifestation. There's something more um, closer to the source, if you will, in those. And, and, and there's still a difference in how you know, Torah learning and tefillah appear or show divine light and how, how the body's movement, sensations, the feelings reveal divine light. But, but you know, there's, there's many, many levels. There's many, many levels. When we, when we learn the, the Sifre Kabbalah, for example, they describe the upper realms. So there's level upon level upon level upon level and Svira upon Svira and world upon world. But we look at it and we say, that's all this elevated spiritual reality, all of it, even the lower parts of it, right? They're just, it's a, it's a difference of degree. It's not a difference of, of essence. It's a difference of degree. So the Rebbe says, well, this world and all of its inyanim, all that's within it, it too, this world too, is a level is a quality within this, this whole reality of Orot Hashem. It's, it's, it's another gradation of God's light. It's the, the lowest level of, of the four realms. But it's not something distinct. It's not something other. It's a different level. It's a different, a different form of encountering and embodying it. I'm going to do a little bit of summary of, of previous paragraphs, and I want to bring one or two other smaller kataim for us to see in this book to, to help kind of fill out this picture, okay? In the coming pages, the Rebbe basically goes on, and, 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 and as a continuation of the discussion, he says, this is why the study of Kabbalah 
and the inner path of serving God before the times of Baal Shem Tov was, was limited to select people. Only people who, in a sense, you know, surpassed the training of being able to transcend the body, of being able to perceive something beyond, being able to discipline the goof, the midot, they were only then could they access that, that divine light. So studying those things and being involved in those things in a more direct way was, was only limited to them. And that we see already with the, with the advent of Chassidut that that, that too becomes, becomes totally transformed. That not only is the discussion of Kabbalistic ideas and, and, and talk of spiritual matters um, much more widespread, but you actually see in, in the, the writings of the, of the Hasidic Rebbe's that they say it's, it's, it's absolutely crucial and critical for every person in this, in this day and age to, to, to learn these things, to, to be basically fluent with these things, to, to see their worldview as informed by these things. Because we, as a, as a planet, as a stage in reality, are reaching into this point in time and development where this is where we're encountering God. So we need to be told the things that we need to hear right now. Yeah. What, was it just... I kind of phrase it. Was it true... That's before the Baal Shem Tov, that uh, you, you said that the way to access Hashem was through like pounding down these midot and not really engaging it with the physical world and mm -hmm. reality because of mm -hmm. its ra. Was it actually true that that was the case? Look, or is this just the way... Mm, you're saying is a perception or was it, it was a perception or reality? Yeah. The piece is just saying that the, the, you can't separate the two. You cannot separate the human consciousness at this stage in history with the objective reality of how the divine is interacting with, with the world at that time. It is that. Where people were at is the expression of where God and world are meeting at that stage in history. Yeah? So the, so the snow rolls and the sackcloth and the fasting. and the, yeah. so I'll say two minutes about this. You know, there's, there's stuff in the sitter that has just disappeared over time. Did you know that? Used to be a sitter started where? What was, let me ask you, where do your sidurim start? You open a sitter, what's the first thing? Ashkamataboke, right? Where's a sitter supposed to start? Chatzot Laila. How many prayers are there in the day? There's, there's four prayers in the day. How many, it was more than that. How many times do, do, do our cousins pray every day? Five times. We have five prayers too. You know, the Rambam even brings that there's like this double mincha. The Rambam seems like pray five times a day. Anyway, we're not going to, that's not the point here. The point is that there are certain practices that demanded a certain kind of physical resilience and, and, and what's the word? Grit that just stopped being practices. Waking up at midnight to pray. Fasting on Mondays and Thursdays. Fasting after Yamim Tovim. So you can, on the one hand, it's like, well, what happened there? And I think through this paradigm, it's like you can, you can see it in this kind of other scale, which is what the body was vis-a-vis -vis God has shifted over time. The way that the body <clears throat> had to be engaged to interact with Kedusha has changed over time and evolved. I'll say one more thing and then uh, 
We'll read the parts, the other parts. I want to, there's a beautiful place in the Zohar. Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Shimon says, I never had to take on a fast in my whole life. I never had to, to take on a fast because I made sure I ate Shalash Shudas every week. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was makhfied, always, I've always makhfied to eat Shalash Shudas. You add that extra unnecessary meal. Hashem Hashem, Rav de Rabin, touching the deepest ratzon through eating there. So it, it refined his body in the way that he didn't have to refine it through fasting. Um, just on this last note, where the Rebbe basically, where the Rebbe just, it's so gorgeous. It's, you know, that earth itself, the world itself, is, is merely another level of, of Or Hashem. It's another manifestation of God. It's not something distinct. And so, so in the um, introduction, or the first chapter to this sefer, to Mavar Hasharim, he he's talking about what the avodah of 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 the prophets, what the avodah of of, of Hasidut uh, looks like. And I'm just going to read read this a little out of context, but uh, I think it's related. He says that the body needs to be refined. <coughs> It's a path of avodah. I'm reading from Parak Aleph in the Vashayim that a path of, of of refining the body, of sensitizing the body till it becomes nefesh, till the body itself is is yet another level of soul. That's another level of soul. I mean, again, how can I really see myself as, am, am, I, am I different beings? Am I really different, distinct entities in essence? Or is all of what I'm composed of different forms and layers of one gushing life? I'm going to just read a few more lines. The, and here he's, he's talking about prophets of the past, but in his mind this is the paradigm of, of the work of Chassidut as well, that the, the sanctity and the dveikut with God is through the, is through the body as well. It's not seen, it's not like a soul that only when it can spring free from the body can it fly and go attach itself to God. And it neither is it like a soul that is living within a body and has its own private little apprehension of, of something godly while it's still in that body, which is, again, something distinct. The avoda of the, of the Naveen, the avoda of the, of the teachers of, of Chassidut, is an avoda of gam haguf naasa nefesh, of the body also becoming the soul, a layer of soul. Ushneim yachad haguf nefesh avoda hashmeimit avdu. And together, the body and the soul are doing this heavenly work. I want to just take, take the time we have left to read a, a beautiful snapshot in the Rebbe's own words of, I think, one way in which he... Um, expresses and experienced some of this, some of what we're talking about here, okay? 
This is from the very last piece in Savizirus, which is printed in the back of the Sefer from the Rebbe's journal. And the Rebbe's speaking about um, what happened one year on Motei Shabbos, the first night of Slichot. Okay? He says, Nil eti daber adam. I, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm sick and tired of, te- of talking to people. To, to cry out to them, call out to them, Hashemu Elokim, Hashemu Elokim. God is one, God is throughout all. He says, I'm, I'm calling out to them. Isn't God right here in front of you? And even in your, in your, and all of your actions and all of your thoughts, there's a revelation of God's holiness. And in your entire existence is all God's world. That's all it is. But, but people, I talk to them, I talk to them, I talk to them. And what do they do? They hide their heads. They, they duck their heads down. They, they, they hide their entire selves bundled up within themselves. They don't hear me. With with within you, throughout you, in all of your stirrings and comings and doings, God fills all of that and is even visible there, revealed there. And what do they do? They're just kind of coming up and spinning their own stories to, to change the script. Let's give a few lines. Listen up. Listen to the word of God, how, who's, that's guiding us, how to act in all of our doings, in all of our movements, in your body, in your soul. There's all before God. But people continue to, to merely mire around in the the story that they've spun for themselves that, that keeps this out. Kfarni Chagroni, he says, my, my throat is, is parched. My, I'm, I'm, my ideas have been exhausted. I've got nothing left. The greatest, most refined perceptions of my soul have almost reached a point of astonishment. And, and I'm at a point where I, I feel all I can do is be silenced and, and to, to just fall, to just fall over. I have nothing left, he says. He's trying to instill this message to people, to instill this awareness within them, to, to help them see what he sees, that God is fully within them, throughout them. He says, I, I, I got up. I removed myself from the Shabbos table on, 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 on Friday night. I was fed up. Nobody's, nobody's here to hear me. So I began to just speak to the world itself. I began to speak to the universe. I opened up the window. I saw the world. And here it is, the expanse of the universe till, from here to the end of the, of the world. I began speaking to the world itself. 
בכל ליבי קראתי לו, שמע ישראל, השם אלוקינו, השם אחד. With my entire heart I called out to the world, שמע ישראל. וכאילו כל העולם הזדעזע, ומה? And it was as if the whole universe trembled. Quivered. תאיר ארץ מכבודך, תאיר ארץ מכבודך, what we sing, sing those words that Shabbos should have singing those words every year of Shabbos, תאיר ארץ מכבודך, let the earth shine with your glory. Where do we say that? It's in Yedin Nefesh. And, uh, and the Rebbe's like, I, I'm saying, they're say, we're saying the words at the table, and, and it's like, it's, it's a table full of deaf people, so I go out to the earth, and, and the earth hears, the earth responds, Baruch Hashem Bayom, Baruch Hashem Balayla, he's, he's quoting all these psukim, bless God in day, bless God in night, but, but not conceptually, not bless God when it's daytime and nighttime, but let night and day be the expression of Baruch Hashem. Adon Olam, Asher Malach, Master of the of the universe, who is its king? He's seeing God in the world. He's speaking to godliness through the world. And the universe, the entire universe, and all that fills it. It's swallowing every holy word, every holy sound that, that comes out of my lips, that comes out from my heart. It's just absorbing it. So my soul gained strength from this. I got some encouragement back. Remember the Rabbi said that his... His pool of, of perception of thought was exhausted. He had no words left. He had nothing else to say, to do. He says, now the wellsprings of my, of my perceptions, of my feelings, they came back to life after this. Umeata, gamba bayit, gamba chutz, gamim yesh shomeli, gamim en shomeli. And from now on, whether I'm indoors, whether I'm outside, whether there's somebody to listen to me, whether there's nobody, it's best for me to always just speak to the world, to communicate with the universe. God's world, God's universe. And as the universe, or when the universe itself becomes refined, becomes holier, Come sanctified. So then it might be possible that the nation that dwells within it will also become holy. Hear what's going on here? It's like a totally different paradigm. It's like, okay, you know, what, 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 are, what are the Jewish people here to do? The mission of Jewish people is to, to, to bring a godly awareness to the world, to in, in, instill the world with holiness. But they're saying, but, but, but people are missing. The people don't even know where that holiness exists within them to do that. So I'm just going to fill the world, communicate with the world about its holiness. And then if that can happen, maybe it will filter into the people too. It will come from the outside in. It will come from the environment into its inhabitants. Maybe if the world itself becomes sanctified, the nation that dwells within it will also begin to be sanctified by the world. By the world. Now he ends with the pasuk miknaf haaretz zmirot yashmiu. From the edges of the earth, 
we will hear the song. The song's not coming from, from, from us who can't hear it, who can't speak it, who can't sing it. So they're saying, I'm going to turn my mutavli tamid. I'm going to turn my voda. No, I'm just going to talk to the world. Just continue to, to fill, fill my surroundings with its holiness. Reflect the holiness of the world around me. And hopefully from there, it'll begin to filter in to the people who are, who are there. They'll, they'll get it from the air. They'll get it from the trees. They'll get it from the songs are going to come from the edges of the earth for people to hear because we're not, we're not going to come up with the song ourselves anymore. <laughs> we have to absorb it and hear it from, from the earth. It's astounding. Mama, just, just imagine a Rebbe there at the Shabbos table getting up. Just imagine him getting up, fed up with what's going on, and, and screaming out the window. Don't allow him singing with his whole heart out the window. It's awesome. So... We're reading the Rebbe's words. I don't know if, are we really hearing them or not? I don't know. <laughs> Even if we are really hearing them, are we really hearing them? <laughs> but, but maybe we can hear the, the echo of the Rebbe's song from, from the world, from our surroundings and from our, from our innards uh, as well. <laughs>